Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be titled The Invisible War, brothers and sisters. The Invisible War. Today we will take a look at the unseen battle. Brothers and sisters, we will reveal the unseen world that governs the physical. Today's lesson will help us understand the spiritual world around us, brothers and sisters. We're going to start in Exodus, brothers and sisters. Exodus 19, verse 6. Please follow us there. Exodus 19, verse 6. And he shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. To who, brother? The children of Israel. Now, brothers and sisters, the children of Israel are who? According to the Bible, these people here, brothers and sisters, are your Native Americans, your Hispanics, your Negroes, brothers and sisters. These, according to the Bible, the people he's speaking to here, brothers and sisters, are your modern-day Hispanics, your modern-day Negroes, the, the, the Haitians, the Jamaicans, the quote-unquote African-Americans, the Panamanians and Costa Ricans, the North American Indians. These are the people, brothers and sisters, okay? The, the Puerto Ricans, the Aborigines of Australia. These are all people of color here, brothers and sisters. So you need to have that in your mind first in order to understand what comes after. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 6. <clears throat> And he shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, brothers and sisters, this means that even now we have priestly responsibilities. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now, this is key, brothers and sisters, because we must rehearse the righteous acts even before we rule properly in the Most High's kingdom. According to this text here, we have been made uniquely distinct from other people brothers and sisters listen to it again exodus 19 verse 6 and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation a what brother and holy nation these are the words with that which thou shalt speak unto the children of israel see so we're reading a contrast between us and the rest of mankind brothers and sisters israel was to be a priestly nation through whom all nations were to be blessed. A holy nation. That, mean, that means a separate, set-apart, brothers and sisters, a kingdom of priests, brothers and sisters. Not just one man, but a kingdom. All of us, brothers and sisters, are to operate as the priests operated in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us to 1 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 8, verse 53. Please follow us. 1 Kings 8 and 53. For thou didst separate them from among the people of the earth. Read that one more time, brother. For thou didst separate them from among all the people of the earth. All the people. To be thine inheritance. As thou speakest by the hand of Moses thy servant, when thou broughtest our fathers out of Egypt, 
O Lord. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this closely because the wilderness is where the Most High promised that Israel shall be to him a peculiar treasure. Look at it closely because that's why he's speaking about bringing us out of Egypt, brothers and sisters. What did did that say again, brother? Verse 53. For thou didst separate them from among all the people of the earth to be thine inheritance, as thou spakest by the hand of Moses thy servant, when thou broughtest our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, this particular text magnifies a special significance in our relationship with the Most High God. He said he separated us from all the people on the earth, brothers and sisters. Now, guess what? Being chosen carries a greater spiritual responsibility and more demanding standards, brothers and sisters. So we need to understand this. We're not the same as other people, brothers and sisters. We're separate from all the other nations, therefore have more responsibility, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to second address in your apographa, brothers and sisters. Your apographa is the 14 books that they took out of your, your, uh, your King James Version Bible, brothers and sisters. When you get the 1611 King James Version Bible, which was the first year it was published, brothers and sisters, it had 80 books, not 66 brothers and sisters. And the books that they took out, they took out meticulously for a reason, brothers and sisters, to hide certain information about who you are and who Christ is, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to 2nd Ezra chapter 3, verse 34 through 36. 2nd Ezra 3, verse 34. Weigh thou therefore our wickedness now in the balance, and there is also that dwell the world. And so shall thy name nowhere be found but in Israel. He's saying, take all of the transgressions, the iniquity, the wickedness of the children of Israel, and put that in a balance, you know, in contrast to the Gentiles, to all the other nations. Brothers and sisters, this is what Ezra is saying. The multitude of our transgressions do not compare to those of the heathens. Can you read 35, brother? Verse 35. Well, when was it that they which dwell upon the earth have not sinned in thy sight? He's saying, when is it when the other nations haven't sinned? Or what people have so kept thy commandments? Who else is following the law? Who else is following the Sabbath? You know, not celebrating pagan holidays and not eating unclean foods. He's asking a question here. Why? Because, you know, Ezra's just saying their level of ineptitude doesn't compare with ours. It, it's it's insurmountable. Continue, brother. Verse 36. <clears> thou <throat> shalt find that Israel by name hath kept thy precepts, but not the heathen. But what, brother? But not the heathen. So this magnifies their flagrant disregard for biblical instruction. Ezra's just saying, only Israel hath kept thy precepts or thy laws, not the Gentiles. So Ezra is emphasizing that they have put no effort into ingratiating themselves with the Most High or his instructions, brothers and sisters. So here it is. We're seeing there's an invisible war going on, brothers and sisters, between the children of Israel and the Gentiles, the heathen, brothers and sisters. We're going to learn why today, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms. 
We're going to go to the, uh, we're going to look into the Tanakh. Going to the Old Testament here, brothers and sisters. Psalms 96, verse 5. Psalms 96, verse 5. For all the gods of the, of the nations are idols. They're what, brother? Are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. See? So it highlights the dunghill deities of the heathen, brothers and sisters. It magnifies the illegitimacy of heathenistic worship. All of these heathens, these Gentiles. Brothers and sisters, they're gods. <laughs> they're not the God that created the heavens. How do we know? What does the psalmist say, Brother Joshua? Psalms 96 verse 5. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Now look at that. The heavens and earth are the workmanship of our God's fingers. Brothers and sisters, our God is distinguished from all the rest here in verse 5. Brothers and sisters. See? It says, when it says nation, that's not talking about countries. It's talking about nationality, brothers and sisters. See, society have, you know, changed up everything in modern, in modern society, brothers and sisters, where you can't even understand the Bible because they make you believe nation means a country. No, in biblical times, people who were of the same nationality lived in the same country. You didn't have a lot of mixing and all this stuff. Brothers and sisters. So when it talks about nation, it's talking about nationality, your ethnicity. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 5. <clears throat> For all the gods of the nations are idols. They're what? Are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. See? So their idols are the physical representation of the gods that they serve. Brothers and sisters. All the other religions in the earth. Brothers and sisters. All the religions. Have an idol connected with it, brothers and sisters. So the Most High said, listen, for my people, anything that's connected with the graven image is not of me. Because there is no worship connected with me that have an image connect with it. See? Even Christianity, dealing with that cross, that is an idol. That have nothing to do with the Most High. Nothing to do. We wanted to magnify something here. Ezra said, what? Ezra said... Take our iniquity and the Gentiles, the heathens' iniquity, and theirs, you know, theirs surpasses ours a hundred times. And then the psalmist says the reason for that is because all the gods that they're following, they're idols. They're not serving the God that created the heavens. So there's a reason why, brothers and sisters, it seems like we're on the outside of this conspiracy against us. <laughs> it, it appears that we're on the outside. We're the prey here, brothers and sisters. Let's, let's magnify that. Let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 16. Jeremiah 10, verse 16. <clears throat> the portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things. And Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. So the Most High adopted Israel as his special treasure among the nations. It says the portion of Jacob. The portion of Jacob is the Most High. Can you read that again, brother? The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things. See? So look at that. The former of all things. Our God is the former of all things. Every 
every other nation is, you know, dealing with the God that was created, not the creator. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 16. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things. And Israel is the rod of his inheritance. So we belong to the most high God. We're his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Now what you'll see, brothers and sisters, what you'll see is that every other nation was committed to the care and superintendency of its own tutelary God, brothers and sisters. Today we will learn the value of our divine privilege, brothers and sisters. Because if Jeremiah 10 and 16 is correct, he's saying the only people that have me for their God is the children of Israel. Every other nationality of people are serving some other God. And we're going to show you that, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 32 and 8. We have to get this in the Septuagint, though, brothers and sisters. We have to do that in the Septuagint. When you go to the Septuagint, anyone who doesn't know what that is, brothers and sisters, the Septuagint is the Greek Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, it's older than the, the King James Version Bible. Um, you have to realize that the Bible existed well before they compiled it into one book. Brothers and sisters, this Greek translation came straight from the Hebrew. So they translated the Hebrew directly into the Greek, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we were serving the Greeks. Alexander the Greek, Antiochus Epiphanes. And then what? That was translated into the English brothers and sisters, in this particular text, Deuteronomy 32 and 8 is different in the King James Version. It was an honest misinterpretation, brothers and sisters. So we actually had to go into the, the older record here, brothers and sisters, to get the true understanding of it. Deuteronomy 32 verse 8 in the Septuagint. Deuteronomy 32 verse 8, when the Most High divided the nations... When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. Read that again, brother. Verse 8. When the Most High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. Of the what, brother? Of the angels of God. So the other nations had their gods allotted to them by the Most High. He assigned each nation a different angel to govern and exercise superintendency, brothers and sisters. See? This is what the Most High was saying. We, we are under the Most High God, the Creator. They are under a different angel. The Most High said, when I separated, when I divided the nations, where was that at, brothers and sisters? The Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was when he separated the tongues, separated the nations. He set an angel over each one of those nations, brothers and sisters. So the Most High correlated each nation with a different angelic ruler, brothers and sisters. At the Tower of Babel, the Most High allowed lesser gods to administrate the nations. We're going to prove that, brothers and sisters. We're going to go into Jasher. Jasher is written in of in the Bible, brothers and sisters. You can find that. The Bible refers you to Jasher, which is another Hebraic book, brothers and sisters. It's an extra biblical text that's referred to in the Bible. We only go to books that are referred to in the Bible, like Enoch. Who was Enoch? 
Enoch is written of in the Bible, Noah's grandfather. He was the priest. We only go into records that the Bible refer you to. Anything else, we stay away from, brothers and sisters. But we wanted to go here to show you that the Bible tells you that he separated the nations according to the angels. Can you read that one more time before we go to Jasher, brother? Deuteronomy 38, verse 8. <clears throat> when the Most High divided the nation. 32, verse 8. 32, verse 8. <clears throat> when the Most High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. Now, let's prove that, brothers and sisters. Let's go into Jasher, which is a more detailed Genesis. Jasher is a more detailed Genesis. It's the same story of Genesis, but Genesis is more of an overview, brothers and sisters. Every historian knows, every biblical historian, that is, knows about the Septuagint. They also know about Jasher, brothers and sisters. But guess what? They don't teach slaves this. They don't teach slaves. They teach slaves to get an NIV Bible. <laughs> don't go into none of this other deep knowledge. They don't tell you about the, the apographer that's missing that was in the 1611. They don't tell you about Jasher, Jubilees, Enoch, none of that. Because you're a good slave. Just do what I tell you and, and, and you'll float up in the heaven. <laughs> See? Let's prove it though. Let's prove that he set angels over these nations. We're going to Jasher chapter 9. Verse 31, brothers and sisters. Listen to this closely. Jasher 9 and 31. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they built a tower and the city. And they did this thing daily until many days and years were elapsed. Now look at this. This was the Tower of Babel, brothers and sisters. When you read the, com the, complete, uh, the complete story, it tells you that this tower was so tall that it would take a year, brothers and sisters, to walk from the top to the bottom. They did this every day, brothers and sisters, for many years. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 31. And they built the tower and the, and the city. And they did this thing daily until many days and years were elapsed. And God said to the 70 angels who stood foremost before him. What did that say, brother? And God said to the 70 angels who stood foremost before him. 70 angels. To those who were near to him, saying, Come, let us descend and confuse their tongues. That one man shall not understand the language of his neighbor. And they did so unto them. So here it is, brothers and sisters. These 70 angels that Deuteronomy 32, these angels who confused the tongues, brothers and sisters, were now set over the nations. So the Most High decided to destroy their arrogance by destroying their ability to understand one another, brothers and sisters. He confused the people by splitting them up into 70 different nations and tribes. During this time, brothers and sisters, the 70 nations of the earth were placed under the dominion of the 70 angels that we're reading here, brothers and sisters. Because before the Tower of Babel, there was only one language and it was the ancient Phoenician Hebrew. At, at this time, that's why it's called Babylon or Babel, the Tower of Babel, because it's, it's Babylon, brothers and sisters. They didn't have the ability to communicate, to build this tower up into the heavens, brothers and sisters. See? So when he said he divided the nations among the angels, 
This is what he was talking about. Let's read those two scriptures again, brother, please. Jasher 9, verse 31. And they built the tower and the city, and they did this thing daily until many days and years were elapsed. And God said to the seventy angels who stood foremost before him, to those who were near to him, saying, Come, let us descend and confuse their tongues, that one man shall not understand the language of his neighbor. And they did so unto them. See? So subsequent to this time in history, each nation had an angel as a ruler, brothers and sisters, except the children of Israel. We're going to prove that because Daniel, Daniel spoke of this, brothers and sisters. And you've probably read these scriptures, but without this understanding that the Most High put uh, an angel over these nations, that they began to start worshiping, brothers and sisters. And now you see why every race of people, especially outside of America, have a different religion or God that they're following. Now you see why it appears that we are the target of all these other nations' disdain, brothers and sisters. Because they are under a completely different God that they're dealing with, brothers and sisters. And we're going to prove that. We're going to go to Daniel. Follow us to Daniel, brothers and sisters. Chapter 10, verse 10 through 14. Daniel 10, verse 10. And, behold... And hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come from thy words. Now look at this closely. Verse 13. But the prince, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But, lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remain there with the king of Persia. Now look at this, brothers and sisters, because here the representative angels are called princes. Read verse 13 again, brother, because this is an angel speaking to Daniel, brothers and sisters. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. So here it is, Gabriel. Here it is. The angel is fighting over the the angels are fighting here. Brothers and sisters, you had the angel over the kingdom of Persia fighting against the angel of the Most High. Read 13 one more time, brother. Daniel 10, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But, lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, see, Michael the archangel, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am came... Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. Now, brothers and sisters, the prince of Persia was a demonic spirit that ruled over the Persians, brothers and sisters. Now, we've already read that, what, every nation has a divine patron. This, 
this war here, brothers and sisters, happened every time the Most High was trying to free our people. Because why? We didn't just serve white people, brothers and sisters. We served the Egyptians. We served the, the Babylonians. We served the Persians. We served the Greeks. And every time the Most High tried to free us, the angel that was over them would fight against the Most High, would fight against the angels the Most High would send to free us. See, brothers and sisters, from this passage, we are informed of what the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which was an angelic ruler. How do we know? Because it tells you that Michael, one of the chief princes or archangels, had to fight against this angel. Jump to verse 20, brother, please. Daniel 10, verse 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I came, I come unto thee? And now will re I return to fight with the prince of Persia. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I came unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Gracia shall come. Then he's telling you, look, Greece, <laughs> the prince of Grecia will come. So look at that, brothers and sisters. From this very passage, we're, un we're informed that there's also an angel over Greece, brothers and sisters. Spirit beings exercising authority over the nations that they've been given to rule. That's what we're reading here, brothers and sisters. The prince of Persia and the prince of Greece were the defending powers of Israel's enemies in their battles, brothers and sisters. So what we're seeing is, when the angels war, the nations war. While the nation is in power, their angel is in power, and vice versa, brothers and sisters. So Daniel was telling you this in, in chapter 10, that, that there was an angel fighting against the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. The prince of Persia and the prince of Greece are not flesh and blood, brothers and sisters. These are the angels that were set over them at the Tower of Babel, brothers and sisters. See? And every time the Most High would try to, you know, free us, the these other nations' angels, their, their, their gods that they're following, would fight against us. They would fight against our God. So how they treated us in slavery, they didn't get that from the mind of a man. When we served the Babylonians, when we served the, the, the Persians, when we served the Grecians, when we served the Romans, they didn't get that information from the mind of a man. They're under these fallen angels, brothers and sisters, that they're receiving information from on how to you know, how to keep us subservient, how to put drugs in our communities. All this stuff that they, you know, all this knowledge that they're getting, it's not because they're just so smart, brothers and sisters. They're dealing with angel worship. Daniel spoke about it, brothers and sisters. The prince of Persia, the prince of Grecia. I need you to Examine that closely, brothers and sisters, because now you understand this scripture, Ephesians 6 and 12, because Paul understood this, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 6 and 12. What does that say, Brother Joshua? Ephesians 6, verse 12. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. For what, brother? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, we are engaged in a spiritual battle with wicked fallen angels, brothers and sisters. Our ultimate struggle is against these authorities here. Can you read that again? Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, so our battle is against spiritual rulers of darkness, brothers and sisters. See? Do you see that, brothers and sisters? The spiritual forces of evil use the blind to carry out their nefarious plans. See, Paul understood this. He said, listen, your true battle, your true battle is not against, you know, flesh and blood. There's ruling angels over these nations. There's ruling nations, oh, excuse me, there's ruling angels over these nations that are teaching them how to war, how to operate with slavery. How to tax people, what drugs to put in the communities, how to build weapons, how to deal with nuclear weapons and antimatter weapons, how to use the internet for, you know, for for evil. See, brothers and sisters, Israel, the, the, the children of Israel don't have an angel over them. We deal directly with the most high God. The only people. And now we can look at these other nations. I mean, you go into some of these, uh, you know, these corner stores, especially in New York, and you see someone with a dot on their forehead. And then they're saying, well, no, I mean, we're all worshiping the same God. That's a lie, brother. Because why are you not a Christian then? <laughs> and why is a Muslim, you know, why isn't the Muslim a Christian? Or why isn't the Christian a Muslim if we're all serving the same God? No, nah, you're serving a different God. That's why you got that dot on your head. See? They're serving another God, brothers and sisters, and these gods are real. They're lowercase g's, according to, to the Bible. They're worshiping angels, brothers and sisters, and this is who we're fighting against. This is where they're getting their information from, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Deuteronomy Chapter 4, verse 19, further proof, brothers and sisters, that they're dealing with the worship of angels. Deuteronomy 4, verse 19. What does that say, brother? And least, and, and least thou lift up thine eyes on a heaven, and when thou seest the sun, and the moon, and the stars, even all the host of heaven. Even what? Even all the host of heaven. Which are angels. Should it be driven to worship them? To do what, brother? To worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. Which what, brother? Which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. See? So the Most High has dispensed to all the nations under heaven the rulership of angelic beings. Brothers and sisters, the Most High divided the stars 
to minister to Gentiles whom they later were enticed to worship. We know that stars, according to the Bible, are angels, brothers and sisters. See, this is right here in Deuteronomy 4. Read that one more time, brother, please. Look at this closely, brothers and sisters. This is what they're dealing with. Deuteronomy 4, verse 19. At least thou lift up thine eyes on a heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven, should it be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. Which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven, brothers and sisters. So this text magnifies the worship of the angels by other nations, brothers and sisters. Angels were made not for worship, but for the use of man. See? So when this transpired, Satan enticed these other nations to start worshiping these angels because they could teach them, you know, higher knowledge. When the Most High set those angels over them, it wasn't for them to be worshipped. But guess what? Those angels liked being worshipped. They loved it. And because of that, they became demonic, brothers and sisters. See, Satan understood all of this. He understood this. So he enticed these other nations to start worshiping these angels. Why? Because they were beautiful. Because they had a high level of knowledge that you could only get from an angelic being. See, brothers and sisters? This is coming straight out of the Bible. The invisible war, brothers and sisters. The invisible war. We're going to go to Jubilees to show you that. Jubilees. The secrets of the times, brothers and sisters. Jubilees is written up in the Bible, brothers and sisters, the secrets of the times. Jubilees 15 and 31. Jubilees 15, verse 31. What does that say, brother? And he sanctified it and gathered it from amongst the, all the children of men. Read that again, brother. And he sanctified it and gathered it gathered it from amongst all the children of men. For there are many nations and many peoples, and all are his, and, o and over all hath he placed spirits and authority to lead them astray from him. Brothers and sisters, we're going to the book of Jubilees. Jubilees is written of in the Bible. Moses, brothers and sisters, Jubilees 15, verse 31. And he sanctified it and gathered it from amongst all the children of men. For there are many nations and many peoples. For what, brother? For there are many nations and many peoples. And all are his. And what, brother? And all are his. And over all hath he placed spirits and authority to lead them astray from him. Read that again, brother. And over all hath he placed spirits in authority to lead them astray from him. So the most high, the most high God, that is. That's why we call him the most high. <laughs> Obviously, because there's other gods, brothers and sisters. Look at it closely. The most high God assigned angels with stipulated dominion over the Gentiles, brothers and sisters. See? Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 31. 
and he sanctified it, and gathered it from amongst all the children of men. For there are many nations and many peoples, and all are his, and over all that and over all hath he placed spirits and authority to lead them astray from him. When it says to lead them astray from him, this describes the result, not the original purpose of their appointment, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother, please. Verse 32. But over Israel he did not appoint any angel or spirit. Read that again, brother. But over Israel he did not appoint an appoint any angel or spirit. Over Israel he didn't put an angel or spirit. For he alone is their ruler. For what, brother? For he alone is their ruler. And he will preserve them and require them at the hand of his angels and his spirits. And at the hand of all his power in order that he may preserve them and bless them. And that they may be his and he may be theirs from henceforth forever. Now, brothers and sisters. Angels are assigned to rule over nations, but no angel was assigned to rule over Israel. See? Because why? The Most High has a direct connection with the nation of Israel. So you can imagine how disappointed the Most High would be when we start serving other gods and other religions and start following other nations. When here it is, the Most High have set up spirits and angels over all these other races of people, except for us. And then we go and follow a Buddhist. Then we go and follow a, a you know, a, a Hindu. Or then we go follow a Muslim. Or then we go follow a Christian. It's like, what I mean, this is why we went into slavery, brothers and sisters. Because here it is. The Most High severed us out for himself. Put angels as mediators over all the other nations and gave us direct access, brothers and sisters. Every one of the prophets in the Bible were Israelites. Every single one of them. He never dealt with another nation, brothers and sisters. There was never a Chinese prophet of God, this God. There was never a, a you know, a Arab prophet of this God here. There was never a white prophet. Of this God here. He dealt strictly with the children of Israel. Let's go to Deuteronomy brother. 32 and 9. I want you to see this closely brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy 32 verse 9. What does that say? For the Lord's portion is his people. What did that say? For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. This text teaches us that Israel is his everlasting possession. See, Jacob is another name for Israel, brothers and sisters. Look at it closely. Can you read that again? Verse 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Israel is the Most High's own peculiar and special property, brothers and sisters. He said the Lord's portion is his people. See, we belong strictly to the Most High without any other angel over us, brothers and sisters. He chose Israel out of all mankind to be his peculiar portion. And because of that, the other nations hate us. See, there's something spiritual going on. Our people don't know anything about this. Why? Because we're slaves. They don't teach slaves about this. Whether you're a black slave or a Hispanic slave or a native slave, 
we are underneath of these people. And this is why they can kill us, you know, and sleep, go drink a beer after that. See? They're under a, a whole nother God, brothers and sisters. You think that these gods that they're under don't exist. They do exist. Now, of course, the graven image is just the representation of that angel that they're serving, brothers and sisters. See? I know our people, especially in the hood, we think, you know, they're foolish. They're not, you know, that God ain't real. No, that, that God they're following is real. Now, that picture of that elephant or that rock, that's just the representation of what it is they're serving, brothers and sisters. And guess what? They're getting blessings and all types of stuff, if you can call it that. See, they're dealing with fallen angels. The Most High said, I chose Israel for me. These are my personal possession. Let's magnify that. We're going to go into the Apocrypha. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 17 and 17. Ecclesiasticus 17, verse 17. For in the division of the nations of the whole earth, he set a ruler over every people. Read that again, brother, please. For in the division of the nations of the whole earth, he set a ruler over every people. But Israel is the Lord's portion. See, each nation on earth has a demonic ruler. And Satan's purpose in each nation are carried out by his legion of fallen angels. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. For the division of the nations of the whole earth, he set a ruler over every people. He did what? He set a ruler over every people. But Israel is the Lord's portion. But what, brother? But Israel is the Lord's portion. See, these angels play a prominent role in the misbehaviors of the nations, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Sarah understood that the disinheritance of the nations and the allotments of other gods... It tell you in the division of those nations, he set up angelic rulers over every race of people except us, brothers and sisters. And now you see why they're against us. Now you see why they're unclean people, you know. They eat anything they want to, brothers and sisters. They celebrate pagan holidays. All of this, brothers and sisters. Why? <laughs> because they're under a fallen angel, brothers and sisters. The Most High chose Israel to be his out of all the other nations walking the face of the earth. Let's go to Psalms, brother. We're going to go to Psalms 135, verse 4. Follow us, please, brothers and sisters. Psalms 135 and 4. What does that say, brother? For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. The Most High hath chosen Jacob unto himself, brothers and sisters, for his peculiar treasure. Showing you that Jacob and Israel, for those who are still novice, Jacob and Israel are the same people. When Jacob wrestled with an angel, he was renamed to Israel. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob on himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. And, and therefore, Israel, or Jacob, is bound to praise him, brothers and sisters. See, we're reading a people appropriated to him that he has a delight in. 
brothers and sisters. Read those. Read that one more time. Four and five, brother. Verse four. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. And that what, brother? And that our Lord is above all gods. See? So there is other gods, brothers and sisters. See? The Most High chose us. And guess what? God's choice exalts, brothers and sisters. See? For here, the name is changed from Jacob, the supplanter, to Israel, the prince. Look at it closely. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob on himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. See, he chosen Jacob and Jacob is now changed to Israel, which is a treasure, which means to be a prince of God, brothers and sisters. Why? Because his choice exalts. Therefore, the name change that you're reading here, brothers and sisters. Read verse five, brother, please. Verse five. For I know that the Lord is great. And that our Lord is above all gods. Above what, brother? Above all gods. See? So look at that. The Most High is above all these other gods out here. Proving you, proving to you that there is other gods, brothers and sisters. See? Because I know we believe there's only one God. No, there's only one true God. The Ten Commandments tell you that. Thou shalt not put any other gods before me. So how can there only be one God? See? That's why we say the Most High. What is the Most High's name? Ahaya. Ahaya, Asha, Ahaya is I am that I am. Go look at Exodus 3. 3 and 14. What did he tell Moses his name was? Forever. He told Moses that his name was the great I am. I am that I am. See? So you need to you need to really examine his brothers and sisters. It matters what his name is because why? There's other gods. We're gonna go to Enoch, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, we're going to Enoch. Enoch chapter 89, verse 59 through 67. Now I want to say, if you're going to get the book of Enoch. You get the first book of Enoch by R.H. Charles. Every other version of that is corrupted, brothers and sisters. There's only one true, authentic, validated Enoch. I know you'll see the secrets of Enoch and third Enoch. Brothers and sisters, those are written by demons and devils. Why? Because they understood as Hebrews, as Israelites, we would start looking for the other records of our forefathers. So what did they do? They started coming up with records and giving them Hebrew names to stump you, to t turn you over to doctrines of the devils. There's one Enoch, brothers and sisters. It's the first book of Enoch by R.H. Charles. He was a serious, serious scholar who was paid to only translate these records devoid of his doctrine or personal opinion. Brothers and sisters, these other guys, they they had an agenda. So only by the R.H. Charles, you can find this on Google. I'm sure you can get the PDF. Um, we have the PDF and we have physical copies of the book. But it's the R.H. Charles, Enoch, the first Enoch. Nothing else, brothers and sisters. Because those other books are sorcerer's manuals, brothers and sisters. So here it is. We're at Enoch chapter 89, verse 59 through 67. 
What does that say, brother? Verse 59. And he called 70 shepherds. He called what? He called 70 shepherds. Now here it is, 70 shepherds. Here go these 70 angels again. And cast those sheep to them that they might have pastured, that they might pasture them. And he spake to the shepherds and their companions, Let each individual of you pasture the sheep henceforth, and everything that I shall command you to do. So here it is, brothers and sisters. Every nation has one or more demons aside to wreak, excuse me, assigned to wreak havoc on the people in that nation. Or to do right. So when they were initially assigned, they were to do the right thing, brothers and sisters. They were to show them the way to the Most High. But what happened, you'll see that they began to want to be worshipped. They wanted to receive the adulation. And Satan knew how to do this. Satan knew that he could just entice them. He could entice these other nations that didn't have laws about serving lesser gods. And because they could give them information and blessings and, and all, this, all this stuff, these other nations, these shallow people would start to worship anything that can give them knowledge. They would start worshiping anything that can give them success. We don't do that. Children of Israel are not supposed to do that. Because remember, Satan told the most, he told Christ, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. How could he give them kingdoms? Now you're seeing. <laughs> because it was angels under Lucifer's control that had control over these nations. See? Now it's starting to make sense, isn't it, brothers and sisters? Read Enoch. Chapter 89, verse 59. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 59. And he called seventy shepherds, and cast those sheep to them that they might pasture them. And he spake to the shepherds and their companions, Let each individual of you pasture the sheep henceforward, and everything that I shall command you that do ye. And I will deliver them over, over unto you duly numbered. And tell you which of them are to be destroyed, and them destroy ye. So he's telling you, I will tell you who to destroy and when to destroy him. And he gave over unto them those sheep, and he called other and spake, and he called another and spake unto him, Observe and mark everything that the shepherds will do to those sheep, for they will destroy more of them than I have. Then I have commanded them. So he called another angel and said, these, the, these 70, I want you to keep record on what they're doing because they're going to go beyond themselves. They're going to start doing things they have no business that I haven't commanded them. So now here it is. He has somebody really not spying on them, but recording everything that they're doing. Because why? The Most High knows everything. And see, this was the importance this was the importance of us being who we are and that the Most High didn't put another angel that could be turned or worshipped over us. He gave us direct access to him. Read verse 62, brother, please. Verse 62. And every excess and destruction which will be wrought through the shepherds record namely how many they destroy according to my command. And how many according to their own caprice. Caprice. So here it is. He's saying, I need you to document how many times they go against what instructions I've given them. 
Record against every individual shepherd all the destruction he effects. And read out before me my before and read out before me by number how many they destroy, and how many they deliver over for destruction, that I may have this as a testimony against them, and know every deed of the shape of the shepherds, that I may comprehend and see what they do, whether or not they abide by my command which I have commanded them, but they shall not know it. And thou shalt not declare it to them. So he's saying, don't tell them that they're being watched. <laughs> don't tell them that you're documenting everything they're doing. Now, guess what? You're being documented too, brothers and sisters. So it's not just, if he could just do this to angels, do you think he would not do this to you? Brothers and sisters, the Bible speak about records. <laughs> There's a record on the heavenly tables, the tabernacle, uh, brothers and sisters. They have the heavenly tables. That have documented everything that you've been doing. Every time you've been disobedient. When you speak out of turn. When you disrespect. When you lie. All that's being documented just like here. He's commanding the angel. Do not give them the understanding of what it is you're doing for me. Read verse 64 brother please. Verse 64. But they shall not know it. And thou shalt not declare it to them nor admonish them, but only record against each individual all the destruction which the shepherds affect each in his time, and lay it all before me. And do what? And lay it all before me. And I saw till those shepherds pastured in their season, and they began to slay and to destroy more than they were bidden. So they began to destroy more than the Most High gave them uh, commission to do. And they delivered those sheep into the hand of the lions. And the lions and tigers eat and devour the greater part of those sheep. And the wild boars eat them along with them. And they burnt that tower and demolished that house. And I became exceedingly sorrowful over that tower because that house of sheep was demolished. And afterwards, I was unable to see if those sheep entered that house. So here it is, brothers and sisters. These angels started now allowing other angels, fallen angels, to take advantage of them, brothers and sisters. See? So initially, the Most High would never set up angels to, to lead people astray, brothers and sisters. That's not why he set them up. He set them up so they could mediate between them and the Most High. But what happened? These people, these heathens, started to worship these angels. And these angels loved the adulation. They loved it. There's many times in the Bible where you can see in Revelations, uh, all over the place, brothers and sisters, even in Daniel chapter 10, when people fell down on their face to worship angels, the angels of the Most High always told them to get up. Always. Said, hold on, you only worship one person, and that's the most high. See? So that's what the good angels do. But here it was, Satan was he was manipulating. He wasn't only manipulating man, but he was manipulating angels. See? So now it kind of makes sense why these other nations the way they are against us, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 82, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to Psalms chapter 82. Why? Because the Bible speaks of what we just read. 
You've probably read this chapter but never understood why. So we're going to help you. Psalms 82, verse 1 through 7. Psalms 82 and 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth amongst the gods. Now he does what? He judgeth amongst the, amongst the gods. Now here it is. The Most High standeth in the congregation of the mighty, the angels. Because the angels are designated as gods here, brothers and sisters. But it's lowercase g's. So he standeth amongst these angels. Read that one more time, brother. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth amongst the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? So here it is. It describes these angels as being given responsibility to administer justice over the people. Can you read that one more time? Verse 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth amongst the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly? And accept the persons of the wicked. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. This is what they were supposed to do. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not. Neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said. Ye are God. I said what? Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Why? So these gods or angels, they were children of the Most High. They are. The Most High created them. But ye shall die like men. But what? But ye shall die like men. Further proof that this is not talking about man here. Because it's telling you, they shall die like men. And fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth. For thou shalt inherit all nations. See, so the Most High rebuked the nation's gods because of their what? Their unjust judgment, brothers and sisters. Their unjust ruling. The gods of the nations were supposed to rule according to God's justice. See that, brothers and sisters? The angelic princes rebelled against the Most High, bringing chaos and suffering to the earth. So Psalms 82 highlights the cosmic evil imposed on man. See? When you look at verse 6 through 8, read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 6. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth. For thou shalt inherit all nations. So when final judgment comes, the Most High will take over and everyone will be under the Most High. Those who make it. Those who make it. Everyone's getting judged. Angels included. Now you understand when Jude said, when, when the New Testament said rather, have you, did you not know that you shall judge angels? See? The children of Israel will judge angels. In accordance with the most high's justice. So we're showing you something here. There's an invisible war going on. There's something going on that can't be seen with the natural eye. Only through your spiritual eye. Utilizing the Bible. Utilizing biblical literature. 
See, we just go on about our lives, not understanding all of this is going on in an unseen realm. Let's go to Colossians, brother. We're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to Colossians 2 and 8, brothers and sisters. Excuse me, 2 and 18. Colossians 2, verse 18. What does that say, brother? Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worship of angels. And what? In a voluntary humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which ye have not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So, brothers and sisters, this text here highlights the diligence required to protect your salvation. Brothers and sisters, we are warned not to let anyone rob us of truth by insisting adherence to what some people would call cultural rituals. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now, why is this... Why is this scripture vital, brothers and sisters? Most of Israel, even now today, brothers and sisters, are dictating, excuse me, are dictating traditions and legalistic practices that link to angel worship, brothers and sisters. Even, even then, even then, brothers and sisters, we were dealing with angel worship. We went into slavery for a reason, brothers and sisters. So don't get lost in this Israelite culture thing, brothers and sisters. Don't get lost in that. Because there was a reason why we're in this case right now, brothers and sisters. There is a reason. So you have to be very, very careful. And we're going to show you why. We're going to show you why. Let's go to Ezekiel, brother. It's telling you you have to protect your salvation. Ezekiel 8 and 15. Let, let us show you something that many Israelites are dealing with today, and they were dealing with this in times past, but it linked to angelic worship. Ezekiel, <clears throat> Ezekiel 8, verse 15. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men, with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. They did what, brother? They worshipped the sun toward the east. Read 16 one more time, brother, because unknown to many, sun worship is alive and well in the present religious and non-religious world, brothers and sisters. And Ezekiel emphasizes the sun cult that existed in Israel. And guess what? This was clearly an offense to the Most High. Why? Because he called it an abomination. Read 16 one more time, brother, please. Ezekiel 8, verse 16. And he brought me into the inner courts of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, 
and they worship the sun toward the east. So look at this. Why, brothers and sisters? Because there's a lot of our people who say, well, nah, you can't pray unless you face the east. Unless you get a compass, you know, <laughs> and you go face the east, you know, praying towards Jerusalem. Well, hold up. When our people was doing that in the past, they were not facing Jerusalem. They was facing the sun. So they'll claim they're doing it because they're facing Jerusalem when really, historically, that could be linked to sun worship, brothers and sisters. Now, are we saying that it's a sin to pray to the west or to the east, to the north or the south? No, I've never come across a scripture that said it would be a sin to do so. We're just showing you historically praying to the east was linked to sun worship. Because here it was, these men were in the temple and still praying towards the east. So you have to be careful with that, brothers and sisters, because you'll you'll have a lot of Israelites who think they're deep <laughs> because they face the east. Like, you need to do the history on that, brother. Now, are we saying you can't do it? You can do whatever you like. <laughs> but you better protect your salvation because they weren't doing this to pray to Jerusalem. The sun rises in the east. So they were doing this to worship the sun. So this magnifies the danger of ritualistic practices based on tradition. Brothers and sisters. See? The idea that we're obligated to pray towards the east was borrowed from pagan sun worshippers, As we can see here. Brothers and sisters. And the reason we're bringing this up is because many who love the Most High follow unbiblical practices without realizing it. And the question is, how do you combat destructive teaching? How do you do that? How do you combat destructive teaching? Because here it is, this was something that our people did in the past, but was linked to sun worship or angelic worship. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes 9 and 18 for the answer, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 18. How do you combat destructive teaching? Ecclesiastes 9 and 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Read that one more time, brother, please. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. So this emphasizes the value and importance of wisdom in the life of a believer. Brothers and sisters, it, it emphasizes wisdom over military might. Why? Because real strength is not in the multitude of our weapons, but the amount of our wisdom. Brothers and sisters, can you read that again, brother? Verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. A wise man will always be able to defeat a foolish man, even with fewer weapons. Brothers and sisters, according to Solomon here. The key part is the, the back part, though. R read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. Listen closely. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. But what, brother? But one sinner destroyeth much good. See? All the good that wisdom does can be quickly taken away by one foolish sinner. See? So Solomon sensed that it was much easier to destroy than to build. You see that, brothers and sisters? See? So here magnifies the power of unity and the destructiveness of foolishness. 
brothers and sisters. It says, but one sinner destroyeth much good. See, that's the power of the unity right there. You better be amongst people who have the same mind frame as you. Go read the story of Jericho and what transpired. How we got beat down in a battle based on one brother doing something against the Most High's instruction. One sinner destroyeth much good. See? Wisdom is how you combat destructive teaching, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2 and 3. The invisible war, brothers and sisters. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. As what, brother? As a good soldier of Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So look at that. Timothy highlights the attitude for a well-trained soldier, brothers and sisters. Military personnel focus on their mission, not unrelated concerns, because we're in a war here. Can you read that again, brother, those two scriptures? Verse, <clears throat> verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. Look at that. Let no one enlist who is not prepared to lead a soldier's life to welcome hardship and trials. No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Read that again, brother. No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That he may please who? Him that, ha that has chosen him to be a soldier. See? So military service involves self-sacrifice, endurance, and discipline, brothers and sisters. We're in a war right now. And it's not a war against flesh and blood. See? That was the point of this whole lesson, brothers and sisters. To open your mind to what is going on that you cannot see right now. Look on your streets out there. Look in, the, look in America right now. Look around in Babylon. What's going on, brothers and sisters? See? You're not fighting against flesh and blood here. Let's go to numbers, brother, while we're talking about operating for warfare. Numbers, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Numbers 1, verse 2. Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel. Of who, brother? Of the children of Israel. Now, what we're reading was the first step in taking the promised land. After their families, by the house of their fathers, with the number of their names... Every male by their pole. Every what, brother? Every male by their pole. So look at this. During the war, they do what? Read verse 2 again, brother, please. Verse 2. Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel, after their families, by the house of their fathers, with the number of their names, every male by their poles, from twenty years old and upward. From what, brother? From twenty years old and upward. All that are able to grow to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. So look at that. Men will have to be instrumental in this next phase of fighting for freedom, brothers and sisters. The Most High always used men when he wanted to introduce change. Why? 
because men are destructive. Men are destructive. And in order to dismantle this heathenistic infrastructure, the men would have to be contributory. See, it's time for men to be men. That's what time it is. See? So our men have to stop being so emotional about everything. We have to learn how to handle things like men. See? You have to, it's time to be a man. It's a time to do what God said do, irregardless of what somebody else wants you to do. Because guess what? Woman was made for man. Man was made for the most high. Okay? And a woman, I hear brothers say, well, she won't submit. And listen, a sister will submit when you submit to the most high. See? So a lot of us, you know, we're letting our we're letting everybody else run our house. And guess what? Guess what's gonna happen? That woman will find a man <laughs> that will not let her steamroll her because that's not what she's looking for. So, brothers, it's time to be men because we're at war. We're at war. And don't no sister want a man who she can just steamroll over. Because guess what? If she can steamroll over you, who can't? And she's looking at that. She'll go find a man who won't put up with her mess. So it's time for men to be men. Why? Because we're in war. We're in war. We're going to show you. Because right here, we're going into enlistment of the army, brothers and sisters. We're at war. Brother Joshua, let's go to uh, Exodus 18 and 21. Let's see, what do we have here? Exodus 18 and 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and, a, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Examine the qualifications for leadership, brothers and sisters, because what we're doing is we're looking at the qualifications for enlistment here. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and then place such over them to be rulers of, of thousands and rulers of hundreds, Rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. So, brothers and sisters, during war, quality men are absolutely necessary. It's a necessity, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Leadership, when you look at leadership, in conjunction with this text here, leadership is not selected based on strength. <laughs> look at what it said again. <laughs> Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God. Such as what? Fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. See, so this is the leadership. You need leadership because no nation is better than the character of its leaders. A righteously powerful nation must have leadership endued with these qualifications, brothers and sisters. See? We're in war right now, brothers and sisters. 
And now we're learning that every war you can't see. Let's go to Ezekiel 34 and 31. Because see, this next scripture is the reason why there's a war on masculinity. Ezekiel 34 verse 31. And ye my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men. Are who? Are men. Are who? Are men. And I am your God, said the Lord. See? We're reading the care of God for men. <laughs> See? The care for God, the care for men is exhibited in this text. Men were specifically made for the service of the Most High. And that's why there's a war on masculinity. Anyone who shows any level of masculinity, who, oh, he's raising his voice, he's, he's, he's stern. See? Why, listen, especially if you're a black man, if you put a purse on and some lipstick, you could be famous. See? Why? Because they understood that when the Most High is ready to change something, he's going to use men. That's why they've been feminizing the men of our, our nation. Especially in the black community. As if it's, it's wrong to be a man. Read that one more time, please, Brother Joshua. Verse, <clears throat> verse 30. 31. Verse 31. And ye my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men. Are what? Are men. And I am your God, said the Lord God. So, brothers and sisters, men have to be the foundation of implemented change. When men fulfill their God-given purpose, it changes the entire structure of society. I know that we all can see, especially men, there has been a war on masculinity. And sisters, <laughs> I mean, a sister can't even find a man anymore because the men are acting like, running around acting like girls. With a person and all, and all this stuff. All up in the mirror trying to look, you know, trying to be cute. Like men shouldn't be trying to look cute. These brothers trying to, you know, look better than their than wife. It's time for men to be men. Because right now, all this, you know, everything that's going on around us, brothers and sisters. We're at war. Spiritual war, that is. And the enemy loves a feminized man because you ain't nothing but another woman. Easily taken down. Easily. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8 and verse 9. Deuteronomy 20, verse 8. And the officers shall speak further unto the people. And they shall say. Say what? What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house. Let what, brother? Let him go and return unto his house. Go home. At least his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. See? So in the spiritual army of the Most High, he only wants willing, brave soldiers. Why? Because he look at how he highlights how the actions of one man can compromise the entire nation. It said, lest his brethren's heart fail as well as his heart. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 8. 
and the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. See, so if you're scared, go home. We don't need you. The Most High doesn't need you. Brothers and sisters, some men spend all their time sharpening their sword and will never use it. And we're going to need real men during this time going forward. Men of God, that is. Can you read the next scripture, brother? Verse 9. And it shall be when the officers have made an end of speaking unto the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. Read that again, brother. Verse 9. And it shall be, when the officers have made an end of speaking unto the people, that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. The Most High commanded that his army have leadership, brothers and sisters. No matter how good the soldiers are, they need to have good leadership. See? All of this needs to be understood because we're going into qualifications for his army. Enlistment here. This is what we have to understand. We've already proven that there's, there's, you know, angelic rulers operating against us, brothers and sisters, that are over these other nations, these other religions, brothers and sisters. So what? The Most High wants to utilize his people to fight on his behalf, spiritually. Let's prove that. Let's go to Proverbs. We're going to Proverbs 25, brothers and sisters. 25 and 19. What does that say, Brother Joshua? Proverbs 25 and 19. Confidence is an unfaithful man. In, what did that say, Brother? Confidence is in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Read that again, Brother. Confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Confidence in an unfaithful man. Look at that. See? So the failure of an unfaithful man is painful to those who trust him. It says the time of trouble. The time of trouble tests the faithfulness of those in whom we confide. So we have to understand this. When we're looking for leadership, we're looking for who's going to fight side by side in this spiritual war, this invisible war, brothers and sisters. Good leadership is established in times of adversity, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. So the unfaithful man is useless. And like a persistent, debilitating pain. <laughs> a broken tooth, that means it's just, you know, just painful. A foot out of joint means you cannot progress. Every time you try to move, <laughs> you hurt. Why? That's, that's putting confidence in an unfaithful man. So the Most High is looking for who he can trust. Who is going to be faithful to thick and thin. Because we're fighting on all sides here. We're fighting physically. We're fighting our own flesh, of course. Trying to do what's right. Stay away from temptations. Right? We're fighting fallen angels. We're fighting Lucifer. 
and you're fighting the war here it is before you where Gentiles are looking to destroy us there's three at least three fronts that we're fighting on as we speak brothers and sisters and the most high is looking for who who can I use why because he who's faithful in little will be faithful in much he who's unfaithful in the least will be unfaithful in the much. There's no way you're going to make the most high believe that, you know what, you're unfaithful with $2, but you'll be faithful with $2,000. Doesn't work like that, brothers and sisters. Doesn't work like that. Let's go to first edgers, brother. Because we're looking into the qualifications to be enlisted in his army. First edgers, chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. First Edris 4, verse 10. So all his people and his armies obey him. Read that again. So all his people and his armies obey him. Furthermore, he lieth down. He eateth and drinketh and taketh his rest. And these keep watch round about him. Neither may any one depart and do his own business. Neither disobey him. Disobey they him in anything. Neither what, brother? Neither disobey they him in anything. You have to be devoted to the war. You have to be devoted to his service, brothers and sisters. According to Ezra, we must be dedicated. We must be durable and we must be deliberate, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time from the top, brother, please. Verse 10. So all his people and his armies obey him. Furthermore, he lieth down. He eateth and drinketh and taketh his rest. And these keep, and these keep watch around him, about him. Neither may any one depart and do his own business. Neither disobey they him in anything. Brothers and sisters, you must relinquish the cares of the world. The Most High doesn't want people who might be distracted from the real battle by worrying about the affairs of everyday life. See. We must realize that we're not called to be part-time soldiers. He said everyone in his army obey him at all times. Therefore, he's able to rest. <laughs> See, the king. He should be able to rest, sleep, eat, right? And understand that he's protected. And that's just a physical king, brothers and sisters. You cannot depart to do your own business nor disobey him in anything if you're going to be in his army, brothers and sisters. See? So the most important thing has to be your mission. That must be number one. Everything else is ancillary. Everything else is secondary, brothers and sisters. You have to be deliberate. You must be direct. You must be diligent. Because why? We're fighting against principalities and powers of the air now what now once you're enlisted you get marching orders what are your marching orders we're going to show you we're going to go to Matthew 28 and 19 for your marching orders Matthew 28 verse 19 go ye therefore and teach all nations. Do what? Teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and of the Holy Ghost. Soldiers are commissioned to go everywhere and conquer the world for Christ, brothers and sisters. Look at it closely because what we're reading is your marching orders. If you want to be a part of this army, this is your orders. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, the sum of the apostleship is the proclaiming of the doctrine received from Christ. Read the next scripture, brother, please. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Teaching them what, brother? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, so the Most High seeks to enlarge his influence and sends forth his armies to conquer the world. Brothers and sisters, guess what? Obedience to this is a test of a soldier's loyalty because I know many Israelites who say, well, nah, we shouldn't teach anybody. You know, we're only going to teach Israel. And, and matter of fact, you don't have to be baptized either. Well, guess what? I don't know whose army you're in, but you're not in Christ's army because this is the marching orders for those who belong to Christ. Okay? This is the marching orders to go to all nations, teach them, baptize them, Teach them the law. Teach them the Sabbath. Teach them what's clean and unclean. These are your marching orders. Period. Let's go to Matthew 5. As he highlights that particular point. We're going to read Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Read that, brother, please. Matthew 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor... Wherewithin shall it be salted? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing. It is what? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Now look at that. According to Matthew, brothers and sisters, disciples are called to do what? To make the earth a more palatable place. See? And guess what? Salt must keep its saltiness to be of any value. That's what the scripture is telling you. Salt that loses its effectiveness is worthless. You add salt to make something more palatable. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. See, as the lights of the world were intended to illuminate and give light to others, brothers and sisters. See, light is needed. Why? Because the world is in darkness. So how can you keep this? You have the truth and won't teach it to the world. It's telling you. A city set on a hill cannot be healed. Hid. Read verse 15, brother, please. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Let what? Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See? So live visible lives that attract attention to the beauty of the Most High's truth, brothers and sisters. See, this is the whole purpose for you having the truth. You don't get the light and then hide it under a bushel. So according to Matthew, excuse me, light gives the gift of guidance. So those who have lost their way can find the path. That is your job, Israel. That is your marching orders, Israel. Think back to um, that parable about the talents. Where the Most High gave talents to these brothers. One brother, he gave two talents. He brought back four. He gave five talents to a brother. He brought back ten. He gave one talent to a brother. This brother just hid it. He didn't do nothing with it. He just hid it, dug it in the ground, and hid it. And the Most High took it away from him. So you are to double, triple, quadruple this truth, this light that the Most High has given you. You don't get the truth and then keep it to yourself. What's the point of that? Let's go to 1 Peter 2 and 9, brother. We're going, we're going to stick in the New Testament here. What does that say? 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a particular people. A peculiar people. A peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Brothers and sisters, according to Peter, Israel has a special place in God's unfolding plan of redemption. Listen to it closely. Can you read that again? Verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been anointed, brothers and sisters, to serve as his representatives on earth. See, it says that ye should show forth the praises of him. See? That's your job. See? Guess what, brothers and sisters? Equality does not exist. This here, what we're reading in verse 9, is what distinguishes Israel from everybody else. You can't look at this scripture and then say, well, yeah, everyone's the same. It doesn't matter who everyone is. It doesn't matter who you are. And guess what? The same people who are saying that, they're usually Christians, brothers and sisters. They're usually Christians. And a lot of times, it's our people. It's our people. You can't say we're, we're equal with heathens. You can't say we're equal with people who serve other gods. According to this Bible here, brothers and sisters, if you serve the Most High God, He will place you above every other nation. Why? Because they're serving lesser gods, brothers and sisters. They're serving lesser gods, as we've already proved at the earlier part of this lesson. The Most High, when He split the languages at the Tower of Babel, took 70 angels and put them over all the nations. There was only 70 at that time, brothers and sisters. And what happened? They started to worship these angels. These angels began to turn dark. The only people he did not put a angelic ruler over was the children of Israel and therefore have to be my royal priesthood, not to other Israelites, to other nations. If you're going to be a priest, <laughs> 
If if the nation is going to be a priesthood, they're not being a priesthood to themselves. They're being priests to the other nations who are serving other gods. See? That's your marching orders, soldier. Whether you agree with it or not. And guess what? With being this priesthood, because it says you're a royal priesthood, guess what comes with being a priest? Hmm? A workman is worth his hire. Let us show you what comes with the priesthood, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ezekiel 44 and 30. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. We're going to Ezekiel. Excuse me. We're going to Ezekiel uh, 44 and 30. What does that say, brother Joshua? Ezekiel 44, verse 30. And the first of all, the first fruits of all things, and every oblation of all, of every sort of your oblations, shall be the priest. Shall be whose? Shall be the priest. So everything that we got while we were in Israel, the first of everything was to go to the priest. And ye shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough, that he may cause the blessing to rest in thine house. See? So guess what? Just like how the pastors are now, brothers and sisters, everything in the land of Israel, the first of everything you had, had to go to the priest. Why? Because the priest was was showing you, you know, how to, how to deal with the Most High. And that's all that they did. So they did the sacrifices for you. They healed when you needed healing. They gave you information when you needed information. They dealt with the civil duties also, if a brother had stolen or whatever the case may be. They worked directly for the Most High. So the Most High provided by, for the priest by your hand. See? So when you go into, um, you go into uh, Leviticus and look at the Holy Days, the Bible keep, continuously tells you, give this to the priest, give that to the priest. Why? Because the priest have to be provided for. He's working for the Most High. Read that again, brother. Verse 30. And the first of all the first fruits of all things, and every oblation of all, and every sort of oblations, shall be the priests. Ye shall also give unto the priests the first of your dough, that he may cause the blessings to rest in thine house. Now, guess what? If now we have become a nation of priests, a royal priesthood for all of us, what does that mean for us? If in the Old Testament, the priest was provided for by those who he led, what does it mean for the children of Israel being the priest? Let's see. Let's go to Isaiah 61 and 6. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 6. What does that say, brother? Isaiah 61, verse 6. But ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. But what? But ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. Ye shall what? Eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. See? So priority gives to Israel the prerogatives of the priesthood, brothers and sisters. According to this text here, Israelites would not oppress their former oppressors. They would do what? Read that again, brother. Verse 6. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. See, so we would mediate between the Most High and the Gentiles. And what would be the reward? 
he shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. See, look at that. The office of the priesthood would mean the world would be a tributary to us. They would give us riches. <laughs> they would give us the first of what they had. Why? Because we work for the Most High. So according to Isaiah 61 and 6, riches will be honorably presented to us as payment for our service of the priesthood, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 6. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame ye shall have double. For what, brother? For your shame ye shall have double. Double is coming to us. And for the confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. And everlasting joy shall be unto them. See? So the wealth of the nations will be given as wages for the occupation of the priesthood. See? So when you hear Israelites saying, we're not, Gentiles are not getting in, they can't make it. You're shortchanging yourself. Not only are you butchering the scriptures. <laughs> not only, you know, you should get a job as a butcher because you're just butchering the scriptures. Not only that. But you're shortchanging yourself because the Bible says we are to be a nation of priests, brothers and sisters. And for as payment for our priestly duties, the other nations will provide us with all of their riches. Why? Because we're the priests of the earth and mediate between them and the Most High. Why? They don't know how to serve the Most High. How do we know? Because this lesson has already told us that they're under fallen angels. So it would be irresponsible for me or you to allow someone of another nation to teach you about God. They don't know about God. They know about fallen angels, but they don't know about the God that created the heavens with his finger. See? So we're showing you. These are marching orders, brothers and sisters, and this is the payment for it. Go to Jeremiah 16 and 16, brother. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Follow us. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16. Jeremiah 16 and 16. Behold, I will, I will send for many fishers, said the Lord. They shall fish them, and, af and after will I send for many hunters. And they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the, hole, of the holes of the rocks. Read that again, brother, please. Behold, I will send for many fishers, said the Lord. And they shall fish them. So initially, we're going to be fishers of men. We're going to try to bring people to the gospel. And after I will send for many hunters. Then what? And after I will send for many hunters. See, the Most High is equitable, brothers and sisters. So first, there's opportunity for reform. But if that invitation is declined, wrath cometh afterwards. He said, I'm going to send for fishers, fishers of men. And when... You know, after that, when it's time for Christ to come back, I'm going to send for people to hunt. Your choice. Read that again, brother. Behold, I will send for many fishers, said the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and from every hill and out of the holes of the rock. See? So Jeremiah is telling you there's a, there's a time for everything. At this time... My army, the Most High's army, I'm sending you out. I gave you your marching orders to fish, to spread this gospel and try to bring as many, you know, as much fruit to the Most High as possible. 
after that, though, if there's de- if, if if that invitation is declined, there will come a time to hunt. Because when Christ comes back, let us show you. Let us show you the second coming of Christ. We're going to go to Ezra, 2nd Ezra 13 and 3. We'll read 3 through 11. Look at this closely, brothers and sisters. Because when it says, I will send forth many hunters, that's during the second coming of Christ. We'll read it. Brothers and sisters, follow us to 2nd Ezra chapter 13 because... This is the second coming of Christ where Jeremiah says, I'm going to send for hunters. That is during the second coming of Christ. Ezra's had a vision on what Christ's second coming would look like. Let's read it. We're going to 2nd Ezra 13 and 3 through 11. 2nd Ezra 13 verse 3. And I beheld, and lo, that man watched strong with the thousands of heaven. And when he turned his countenance to look, all the things trembled that were seen under him. And whensoever the voice went out of his mouth, all they burned that heard his voice, like as the earth faileth when it feeleth the fire. So here it is. It's telling you that when Christ comes back, he'll have thousands of, of hosts of heaven, which are angels, which you can read of in the New Testament. It also tells you, his voice, when he spoke, came a stream of fire. See, Christ is not coming back to, to skip through the meadows, brothers and sisters. He's coming back for war, for all the evil that's transpired in this earth as it's gotten older, how his people have been persecuted, how not only did you lie on Christ's color, you lied on his birthday, you lied on his heritage, his ethnicity, you lied on his name. See, when he comes back, he's going to be hot, brothers and sisters. And there's going to be judgment. Read verse 5, brother, please. Verse 5. And after this I beheld, and, lo, there was gathered together a multitude of men, out of number, from the four winds of the heaven, to subdue the man that came out of the sea. Now look at this. It's telling you that there's going to be an army of people to fight against Christ, to subdue the man that came out of the sea. This is Christ here. See, brothers and sisters, the United Nations. See, these armies, brothers and sisters, who are they united against? These armies will fight against Christ, brothers and sisters. When they see him come from the heavenly realm, brothers and sisters, they've already trained you to believe that there's aliens coming from out there, Anybody who's old enough to have seen Independence Day, how they made us believe that, you know, there's aliens coming down to take over, you know, the earth and we need to have antimatter weapons. See, they have a plan. The governments have a plan to fight against Christ, brothers and sisters. Read verse five one more time, brother. Verse five. And after this, I beheld and lo, there was gathered together a multitude of men out of number, from the four winds of the heaven, to subdue the man that came out of the sea. But I beheld, and, lo, he had graved himself a great mountain, and flew up upon it. But I would have seen the region or place where out the hill was graven, and I could not. So he said, I would have known where this was transpiring at, but I couldn't really make it out. Brothers and sisters, 
Christ is coming back from where? From Mount Hermon, brothers and sisters, or Mount Zion. That's where, that's the direction that Christ is coming back from. That's why they're over there in the Middle East, brothers and sisters, because they know this. They know that that's where he's coming back from. And when he breaks the plains, brothers and sisters, they are looking to shoot everything that they have against them because they know Christ is coming back for war. Continue, brother. Verse 8. And after this I beheld, and, lo, all they which gathered together to subdue him were sore afraid. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. After this I beheld, and, lo, all they which gathered together to subdue him were sore afraid, and yet durst fight. So they, the, those who are going to try to fight against Christ, they're going to be afraid, brothers and sisters. But nevertheless, they'll feel compelled to fight. See, it tell you, all those who were gathered to subdue him, illustrating or emphasizing that there will be someone who's going to fight against Christ. See? Yet they will fight even though they're afraid, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 9. And, lo, as he saw the violence of the multitude that came, he neither lifted up his hand, nor held sword, nor any instrument of war. But only I saw that he sent out of his mouth as it had been a blast of fire, and out of his lips a flaming breath, and out of his tongue he cast out sparks and tempests. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. He didn't need any weapon of war. His words. <laughs> See? This power, the life, life and death in the tongue, in the power of the tongue. It's telling you he didn't need any instrument of war. When he spoke, a blast of fire, flaming breath, sparks came out of his mouth, brothers and sisters. And what happened, brother? Verse 11. Verse 11. And they were all mixed together, the blast of fire, the flaming breath, and the great tempest, and fell with violence upon the multitude which was prepared to fight. Which was what? Which was prepared to fight. Further proof that they're looking to fight him. And burned them up every one. So that upon a sudden of innumerable multitude, nothing was to be perceived, but only dust and the smell of smoke. But only what? But only dust and smell of smoke. When I saw this, I was afraid. Look at that. It says that after Christ is done, there will only be ashes in the smell of smoke. Brothers and sisters, are you seeing that? Jump to verse 26, brother, please. Verse 26, the same is he whom God the highest hath kept a great season, which by his own self shall deliver his creature, and he shall order them that are left behind. He shall what? He shall order them that are left behind. Look at that. It says, he shall order them that are left behind. See, Christians tell you it's a bad thing to be left behind. The Bible tells you clearly that it's better to be left behind. Brothers and sisters, okay? Because if you're not, if you don't see this, it's because you're dead already. So he's telling you, he shall order those who are left behind. This is part of his army, brothers and sisters. Those of his people who are left behind during this time to see the second coming of Christ, he shall order them. See, brothers and sisters, what shall he order them to do? 
he shall send forth fishers, and then he shall send forth hunters. See? This is why they want you to believe you want to be raptured. Because they understand if you're here serving Christ during this time, you will become amalgamated with his army of hosts, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to go to Ezekiel 39 and close it out at Isaiah chapter 2. Ezekiel 39 and 9, brothers and sisters. See, they don't tell you about this part of Christ's coming. They tell you something else. Ezekiel 39, verse 9. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth, and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, and the hand stage and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. So look at this, brothers and sisters. See? We're reading prophecy before the kingdom is established. What we're reading here is nuclear proliferation. Israelites will go all throughout the earth and do what? Take all the weapons, all the shields, everything, and burn them. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 9. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth, and shall set on fire and burn the weapons. Both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, and the hand staves and the spears. And they shall burn them with fire seven years. Continue. So that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forests. For they shall burn the weapons with fire. They shall what? Burn the weapons with fire. And they shall spoil those that spoiled them. They shall what? Spoil those that spoiled them. And rob those that rob them, said the Lord God. See? So this is what Christ is going to be ordering people to do. Spoil those who spoiled them. Rob those who've robbed them. See? Burn all the weapons. Because you and I both know without weapons they can't beat us. <laughs> you already know that. And they know that also. If there was no weapons, they could not beat us. Brothers and sisters. See, this is what Christ is going to order people to do, brothers and sisters. How do we know this is prophecy? Has this ever happened, brothers and sisters? Has this ever happened? Is there weapons right now, brothers and sisters? See? So a person can't look and say, well, nah, this happened already. When did this happen? When did it happen where somebody traveled the entire earth and took every weapon from each person and burned it? That never happened. This is, up this is upon the second coming of Christ. He will send forth fisher, fishers, fishers of men, and he will send forth hunters. That's called equity, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to our last scriptures, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 19. Isaiah <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 19. What does that say, brother? And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord. And for the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake terribly the earth. See, look at this. So it's telling you these Gentiles, they're going to start hiding. They're going to go into caverns and holes and caves. Why? Because Christ is bringing judgment. And he's a black man. See? Read that one more time, brethren. Verse 19. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. 
when he arises to shake terribly the earth. See, so this is a day of warfare, of chastening and correcting the nations, brothers and sisters. Could you read verse 21, brother? Verse 21. To go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Now, brothers and sisters, what is this showing us? This is telling you that Christ is going to direct us to go <laughs> and pull them out of these these rock, uh, out of these these places where they think they're going to hide, brothers and sisters. See, so the question is, how is the earth going to be transformed from its current corruption to the glory of the Messiah's reign? When Christ comes back, they're going to start hiding. They've got underground caverns already. They got caves built in, you know, in, in some of these mountains, brothers and sisters. And Christ is going to send us to snatch you out of them rocks and snatch you out of those caves. See? It will not be time to hide. We're reading the destruction of all the enemies of Christ, brothers and sisters. We're going to read those two scriptures again. Read verse 19, brother. Isaiah 2, verse 19. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the see, earth. See, they're trying to escape the dreadful judgment. Read verse 21, uh, 20 and 21, brother. Verse 20. And that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship to the molds and to the bats. See, at this point, your idols won't work. And then people will try to acquiesce. People will try to submit at this time, but that's going to be too late. When it gets here, there, it's too late. Read the last scripture, brother. The Most High will tell us to what? Verse 21. To go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks. There will, they, these Gentiles will be going into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of ragged rocks and we will be following them there. For the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. See, so brothers and sisters, it's crystal clear. It's crystal clear what the Most High is going to have us do, brothers and sisters. It tells you he's going to send for fishers and hunters. And this is what the hunting looks like, brothers and sisters. You've had ample opportunity to get right. Just like us. At this point, you know, we're, we're the low of the earth. We're, you know... With the tail right now. But if we continue to come under the Most High's structure, under His instruction, what we're reading here is the prophecy for us, brothers and sisters. To be a part of His army. To be directed to do what? To cleanse the earth from hedonistic worship. Brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was title the invisible war where we utilize biblical literature to highlight the fact that other nations brothers and sisters are doing what they're serving other gods the most high 
during the time of Babel, set angels over these nations. They are serving lesser gods as we speak, brothers and sisters. The only people he did not set an angelic ruler over are the children of Israel, brothers and sisters. It's time for the children of Israel to come back to the Father. Today's lesson was the invisible war. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.